0: Welcome to Prepare to Care, an AARP caregiving podcast aimed at bringing you free information, resources, and tools to help support you and your family in your caregiving journey. I am your host, Charlene James. As more people are getting vaccinated against COVID 19 and are starting to socialize and venture out, Caregivers who look after someone suffering from with Alzheimer's and other dementias are facing a new reality. Isolation that resulted from this pandemic may have had a detrimental impact on our loved ones living with dementia, and in some cases, the disease has progressed a lot faster than it would have normally done so. What can caregivers do to ease their loved ones' pain? Are there resources available? Here to talk about Alzheimer's, dementia, and help for caregivers is Rebecca Axline. She is the Supervisory Clinical Social Worker at Houston's Methodist National Alzheimer's Center. Rebecca, thank you for joining us.
1: Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Let's begin, tell us about the Houston Methodist Nance National Alzheimer's Center.
1: That is a mouthful, isn't it? It is. (laughs) It's a center as many are across the country that provides comprehensive and diagnostic evaluation and treatment for individuals living with Alzheimer's and other memory disorders. It's an outpatient clinical service dedicated to care and research for individuals with memory problems and to support their families. Our spokesperson, Jim Nance, and his wife, Courtney, provide ongoing support for this mission to honor in honor of his father. Our center includes neurologists, nurses, social workers, researchers, neuropsychologists, and support staff. And they together will provide the mission and comprehensive program that you're talking about. Okay,
0: Um, I'll ask you a quick follow-up question. So how can you access services at the center?
1: As in many centers, you call a central number, which is a referral number, and you request information and someone will follow back with you with what's needed. Oftentimes, it's a referral from your primary care doctor um, and necessary medical records. And then there's a few other questionnaires that the doctors like to have before you see them for the first time. Some questions about behaviors and maybe some concerns that you have. Um, They have a battery of, of the paperwork that's done. And then of course any legal documentation like releases, HIPAA privacy act. So you know who in mm-hmm. the family we you want us to share the information with. And if there's any legal documents like medical power of attorneys, financial power of attorneys, those kinds of things.
0: So well, we know that Alzheimer's is just one disease. Uh, as a part of the field of dementia. So can you differentiate the two so that there's clarity on um, what Alzheimer's disease is versus any other related dementia?
1: It is confusing, I can see that. It's a great question. Mm -hmm. You know, a helpful way I think is, is, is thinking about this difference is to consider a large kind of golf size umbrella. We call that dementia. And a variety of different diseases under that umbrella includes alzheimer's disease which is the most common form of dementia and it represents 60 to 80 percent of cases but there are other forms of dementia that are equally devastating many of these are frontal temporal dementia vascular dementia lewy body dementia and there's even a condition called mixed dementia where one or more of them are happening at the same time And then there's also what you might have often heard of, many of our listeners might have heard of, called mild cognitive impairment. Mm -hmm. And it's when people have milder symptoms and they don't really make the threshold for dementia. And it may stay right at that place or it may progress into dementia. But I'll tell you what one caregiver said to me. She said, there is nothing mild about mild cognitive impairment. All of these forms of cognitive change are so overwhelming, just like you said, and affect individuals and families.
0: Mm -hmm. So what should caregivers look for? What are some typical signs um, of one having Alzheimer's or um, any other related dementia?
1: You know, it's often said that the people who recognize the changes are not you, but the people around you. And quite honestly, people who are still working their coworkers, mm-hmm. their, their uh, people that they work with often see the changes. Family can see it, um, it's it's whether, it's not just normal aging where I walk into a room and I'm not sure where what I was going for, so I walk mm-hmm. back out and then I remember it, or that movie th- or theater or something you're trying to remember, mm-hmm. um, you know, those kinds of things or misplacing your keys. But when it's an ongoing pattern of changes um, in in terms of um, your functioning, whether you just forget to pay a bill or you um, forget somebody that is pretty emotionally connected to you, or maybe you just um, kind of forget something that you talked about the next day, just different kinds of, of behaviors and changes that are just out of the ordinary. Is that
0: a time when the caregiver should start looking to um, make a uh, appointment with a specialist?
1: Yeah. You know, I've, I think a lot of families start out with their, their family doctor or we right. call them PCPs nowadays. PCPs. Right. Um, and I think that's a good place to start because we trust them. They have an ongoing relationship. They're more apt to see whether these are some changes. But I do encourage families, if they don't get a referral from their family doctor, to ask for a referral. And the reason I said this is years ago, um, there were no really imaging or tests that you could do to figure out what particular type of dementia or if you have dementia. You kind of just live with the changes. Um, and, And you also didn't know if there were any other factors going on. We see, like, for example, sleep apnea. Or vitamin B deficiency, or even depression. Depression can be can mis, be a misaligned as as dementia. These days, at the specialty centers, they have such wonderful imaging that these doctors can not only ask the questions, but they can do this precise kind of imaging that shows what's going on, and they can the family can then know the type of dementia the level of involvement, and then you can, you can get together and provide a comprehensive treatment plan for living with the diagnosis. If you do know that it's Lewy bodies, then knowing that someone has nightmares is not that much of a surprise. It's a common trait of that type of dementia. So you see, knowing those kinds of things can be, I think, comforting to families because it doesn't it gives them a little bit of information to go on.
0: So, uh, and you've you've touched on this, so how can caregivers, what can be done to help them as a care recipient goes through these stages?
1: You know, stages is a word I hear oftentimes, I call it kind of the crystal ball. And I know that everyone, including myself, we like concrete ways of Mm -hmm. putting things in boxes and explaining them. But stages can be as frustrating as they can be helpful, um, I think we often talk about maybe early, mid stage and mm-hmm. late stage, but I've seen, I've heard things like seven stages, nine stages. Yeah. My, opi- my own opinion for what it's worth, is that while this allows loved ones and caregivers to understand and maybe feel a little bit more in control, it often focuses on the loss rather than the strengths.
0: Okay.
1: A gentleman I often quote, his. he's the late Dr. Richard Taylor, he wrote a book, Um, called Alzheimer's from the inside out. He was actually a Houston based psychologist who lived with dementia for many years. He would tell caregivers, this is what I think those people living with dementia would say, you look at me and see what's gone. I want you to look at me and see what's still there. That's powerful, right? It
0: is, that is. is. So I think
1: caregivers can educate themselves into the common behaviors like I was talking about Mm -hmm. um, of the early, middle and late stages. But being open to the uniqueness of their loved one and really still looking at resilience, emotional memory, picking your battles. I think caregivers really need to validate their own grief. You know, every time that loved one doesn't recognize you or says the same thing over and over and over again, to me, that's just an ambush of grief. And if I can't validate my own grief, then I kind of get stuck and frozen. And I can't move forward to do something creative mm-hmm. to be in the moment with my loved one. Mm-hmm.
0: Those are very important points. You mm-hmm. know, it's like there's no one way, right, 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 to right. serve the care recipient. Right. Um, so I think that's very important. Is really recognizing everybody's individuality mm-hmm. and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, what advice? would you give caregivers maneuvering through this journey? Hmm. What would you like to leave them
1: with one bit of important advice? You know, um, I I, I remind caregivers, their loved ones doing the best they can. It's up to us to change. It's a paradigm shift. And as long as we continue Mm -hmm. to do the same things we've done over and over again, we're gonna be frustrated, angry, sad all the time. If we can be open to connecting to others, getting the support we need, learning from others in the best way we do it, whether together or individually. And then we can be in the moment with our loved ones. To I call it making to continue and make moments. Each memory, each time we're with loved ones, we can continue to make moments. They're different than we thought they were gonna be, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean they can't still be full of joy, right?
0: Right, that's so important. Uh, now we know about your center based on what you told us this mm-hmm. afternoon. Where are some other? Um, what are some other resources that are available for caregivers?
1: You know there are multiple resources, and again, back to what I said about the unique type of dementia that your loved one has. Certainly, the Alzheimer's Association is a comprehensive wealth of all types mm-hmm. of different dementia, but there are specific organizations like the Lewy Body Dementia Association, mm-hmm. the Association of Frontotemporal Dementia, Houston Area Parkinson Society. American Stroke Association. And then there's local dementia specialists and so many programs, whether they're day programs or gatherings or different things. Again, depending on where your loved one is at this moment and what kinds of things you need. But reaching out and starting to learn into one resource will get you to, ne- ne- to the next one, because we all like to share and network with each other. And so once you meet somebody, they're probably going to suggest another place um, that you I know. can use as a resource, right? Yeah,
0: yeah, that is so true. Well, Rebecca, thank you so much for joining us sure. and be well. Thank, thank you, you too. Bye. The Alzheimer's Association has a 24 seven hotline to answer your questions whenever you have them. The number is 1-800-272-3900. That's 1-800-272-3900. We encourage you to follow the Prepare to Care podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, or at www.aarp.com dot org slash Houston P-T-C. You can also catch past episodes on your YouTube channel. Thank you for listening. And as always, thank you for caring.